Hello and welcome to the next edition of Noah's Archive. I am your host, Hisami. You can find me on Twitter under Hisami, which is H-I-5-A-M-E. I do translations, GIFs, event recaps and guides, which are known as the Green Guides, which contains information for newer fans of Noah and a whole lot of other things associated with the promotion. We, that's my boyfriend and I, who I owe a big thanks to for editing the podcasts and making some videos and maintaining the Facebook page, also have a small YouTube channel called Noah's Archive. I say small as we don't really have much on it yet, bar an interview with Sheldon John, who was in Noah late last year, but we do plan to have much more on it going forward, and I need to make my own contribution by buying a proper video editing package. In this episode, I am going to be covering Great Voyage in Yokohama 2018, which would of course be combined with Navigation for Dash 2018. For those that don't know, those Great Voyage shows are the big shows that they run about two times a year, and this year they will be running Great Voyage in Niigata in late April. They are standalone shows, um, and they're not really connected to any tour, although obviously what happens on them is connected. So I will explain all the background history of Great Voyage in Yokohama 2018, if there is any, match by match, and then finish off with the news section. Prior to Great Voyage, Noah held the first fan appreciation event in a long time in Yokohama. This is a chance for young children to get in the ring and meet the wrestlers and basically roughhouse with them. Noah also combined this with match signings for the heavyweight division and Go Shiozaki versus Kaito Kiyomiya, who both appeared dressed alike in matching white shirts. And Kiyomiya, who looked like he was unused to bright sunlight, said he really didn't feel comfortable dressed like that. So, after the children had rampaged around the ring with the wrestlers, Hashime O'Hara, who it must be said is very good with young children, uh, took them for a class in exercises where he was assisted by Hitoshi Kumano and Yunta Miyawaki. Afterwards, Miyawaki, who has a bit of a reputation in Noah for constantly eating, he once told Yoni he was going to eat everything in a restaurant that Yoni took him to, uh, leading Yoni to say he was going to find the nearest ATM. Um, Headed off to Akira Tawe's restaurant in Tokyo and undertook the 1.5 kilo steak challenge. The challenge winner gets given a commemorative towel. I don't know if Miyawaki won it or not, um, but someone managed to do it in 15 minutes, but they didn't get their prize as Akira Tawe forgot. Noah also asked some of the wrestlers to write down their wishes. Hashime O'Hara wished to graduate school. I, I believe he's studying physiotherapy and then move on to university. Yugoshiyazaki's I couldn't read very well, but I think he wanted to win Global Tag League 2018 and then thus the GHC Heavyweight Tag Championship. And Quiet Storm wished for Noah to become the number one promotion in Japan. So, with that out of the way, let's move on to um, Great Voyage in Yokohama 2018. Prior to the event starting, a silence was held for the victims of the 2011 Otohoku earthquake and tsunami which had occurred on the 11th of March. It was the most powerful earthquake ever recorded in Japan and it caused 15,894 deaths with 6,156 injured and 2,546 people missing. In total that's 24,596 people and pretty much everybody knows somebody who's been affected in some way. Taiji Shimori is from Takajo, which was very badly affected by the disaster. And Kino would have been with Mishinoku Pro at the time, and his teacher, Shinsei Shinsaki, is known for his aid works for, for the victims.
Match one was Junta Miyawaki versus Leona. A far more confident Leona came out to, well, I have to say it was generic music. Uh, after him, Junta Miyawaki came speeding to the ring. Uh, about two bars of his music managed to play. It did actually sound like Noah were having some kind of sound problem. And immediately girls in the crowd started calling for him. It was your standard opening match. Standard, but it wasn't bad. Although the pair of them are rookies still, Leona came off as a far more experienced one and he made Miyawaki tap out after 5 minutes 15 seconds and threw him out of the ring. He stalked backstage with a newfound bad attitude of not being bothered by such paltry opponents. Uh, Regarding Yanta Miyawaki, I have to say he is getting there. He does have the potential to be a technical wrestler in a heavyweight division and God knows the boy eats enough. Match two was the Backbreakers versus Tarasuke and Yohei. Hitoshi Kamano, I think, also has the potential to be a heavyweight, but like Miyawaki, he needs a little more time. When he faced Go Shiozaki, he showed his potential because he almost took his head off with that lariat. I am also of the opinion that it would do Kamano the world of good for the Backbreakers to have the tag belts, as it would push him a little more into focus and it would mean he could hone, hone his skills. Dadasuke and Yohei, while they hadn't exactly fallen out, weren't exactly easy partners, as of course Yohei was siding with Hayata and Dadasuke with Harada, but they put all this aside for the match. Yohei, I have to say, was at his very best. Like Dadasuke, he likes to wind his opponents up, but whereas Dadasuke plays the crafty villain, Yohei is more in your face about it. Hajime Ohara was his main target as he imitated his sitting pose, and if just so you know, Ohara does this because he's a student and that's what they do in, in gym class. And he yelled at Moibuen, uh, just like Ohara does before he does that move, except Yohei wasn't doing the Moibuen on, on Ohara. He was doing one of his own moves. This was a fast-paced, high-flying match, which was an interesting mix of both technical and high-flying manoeuvres. Hashime Ohara, of course, is the very versatile wrestler. And while Yohei is not exactly Luka, he is probably the closest to it in the company after Taiji Shimori and Minoru Tanaka. Marufuji doesn't really do top-rope manoeuvres anymore. Yohei was stunning in this match. Beautiful moves, beautiful drop kick. Although we don't get to see the bamboo butterfly much more now, which is a shame. And we didn't in this match either. The match was won by Yohei with a Gamanji on Hitoshi Kamano after 8 minutes and 59 seconds. Match 3 was Masao Inoue and Ryota Nakatsu versus Cody Hall and Kazuma Sakamoto. A few days prior to Yokohama, it was announced that unfortunately, due to appendicitis, Seiya Morohashi had to pull out and his place was taken by Ryota Nakatsu from Basara and DDT. Cody Hall hasn't actually had initially too much luck with tag partners, other than Jay Bradley on Navigation for Dash. He and Leona got into a disagreement and he threw Leona outside the ring, and Leona stood there and sulked before getting back on the apron. He also teamed with Maybach Taniguchi on the 4th of March, but they got into a dispute, which turned, of course, physical, and Hashime Ohara just sat and watched them as they both got counted out as they fought. Cody will be teaming with Kazuma Sakimoto at Global Tag League 2018. A lot of fans were actually quite disappointed by this because they had hoped that he and Jay Bradley would team. Their team, which has been called the Gaijin Twin Towers, by fans has proved very popular. 
During navigation for Dash, anyway managed to rip his tights and ended up with a hole in them. I think you can guess where, which he hadn't repaired, uh, despite one fan telling him that he should go and get a needle and thread. During one match towards the end of the tour, Daisuke Harada actually took a camera from Samurai and filmed it as he was spread out eagle on the turnbuckle. Sadly, Battlemen didn't show it. Uh, the referee said that he hadn't laughed so much in the ring for, for years. In a way, of course, was his old bumbling vet self in this match, although Kazma looked like he had an unintentional pratfall because he seemed to slip on something. Um, speaking of comedy, Cody is about six foot nine and Kazma is roughly six foot one. So in order to high five, he has to jump up, jump up to Cody's hand. This worked well and it looked good, and they repeated it the the final the first night of Global League. There was a lot of humour in this match, and not all of it from Inoue. Although we did try to stamp on Cody's toes, got slapped and fell to the floor and pointed at him as if to say watch it. And naturally he got the loud crowd reaction of his wind-up wind bird arm. That never works, but it's funny. And the others in the match had the moment as well. Kazuma shrieked when Cody tagged him in as he made out his tag was too hard in his hand. And when Ryota Nakatsu was being pinned down by Cody, he sprayed hairspray on him. It was either hairspray or athletic spray. It was some kind of spray. And grinned at the camera as if he were appearing in an advert. I'm not really too sure what Kenta Kabashi, who was on commentary, um, would have thought by Kazuma shrieking stupid bastard at Inoue and knocking him off the ring apron. This was something you would never have seen in Kabashi's era. Match went 7 minutes, 47 seconds, and Kazuma won with the small package hold on Nakatsu. Match 4 was Maybag Taraguchi and Mitsuya Nagai versus Kenso and Jay Bradley. Noah were joined in Yokohama by Kenso. A bit of background on him is that he was in an all-Japan stable called DK with Mitsuya Nagai. He said that being a no was a great opportunity for him and he was going to shove Nagai's, head, Nagai's bald head into Taniguchi's asshole. He made his flamboyant entrance to the ring and threw his jacket into the crowd. Jay Bradley has started getting streamers thrown for him and they are yellow, which is one of his colours. Streamers are not a right, they're a privilege. You get them when it's felt you've earned them and he really has earned them with a lot of fans hoping that he really does stay long term with Noah. The moment the bell rang, or even before, the ring emptied is because everyone started brawling outside of it. Kenso, while he might not have managed to shove Nagai's bald head into Taniguchi's asshole, did actually manage to hit him with someone's bottle of water. Nagai retaliated by, for a second, looking at a fan sign he had picked up, seeing it was only 50 funky powers, and then hitting him with it. Back in the ring, Jay Bradley went to top Taniguchi, and Taniguchi moved, and there was a loud dinging that sound as he caught his hand on the ring post, and you could hear this very loudly. And another stiff talk to Kenaguchi was when he headbutted him, and you could hear the sound resound, and also when Kenso slapped Nagai. Believe me, nobody was working light in that match. All in all, it was a good match. Kino was at his wildest, Bradley and Taniguchi worked stiff, and Nagai, as usual, got into an argument with the crowd. The match went 9 minutes, 34 seconds, and ended with Taniguchi getting the win over Bradley with the sway bomb. Match 5 was Naomichi Marafuji, Atsushi Kotoge versus Akitoshi Saito and Shiro Koshinaka. 
If there is sea music I love, then it is what Heisei Shingon come out to. Heisei Shingon being, of course, the name of the stable that Shiro Koshinaga and Akitoshi Saito were part of in the 90s. I also think um, Saito's dark karate outfit suits him a lot better than what he normally wears to the ring. Akitoshi Saito is a, a genuine um, martial artist. It's, it's not just a costume, he is genuinely trained in karate. At Sushi Kotoge, shot out through the curtains like a bullet, and I was amazed that he didn't fall down the ramp, or indeed no one fell down that little step that always seems to be in the Yokohama Stadium. The fight started when Koshinaka decided to knock Marafuji over the moment he had jumped into the ring. Although, if I have mentioned, he doesn't really do moonsaults anymore. I think it's probably because now he's almost 40 and will probably retire in a couple of years. He doesn't feel up to doing them anymore. Marafuji still does have the occasional flash of this and he, he does a lot of rope dives now. But really, there wasn't really much more I could say about this match. Beside, it went 11 minutes, one second, and Atsushi Katoge got the win over Akitoshi Saito. Noah does have a tendency to throw together these matches on big cards, which don't really mean anything. Usually when they do this, it's because one more person needs to be somehow fitted onto the card that night for something they're going to do later. And this would prove very true for Kotoge, as we will later see, and especially for Marafuji, who got on the microphone and announced that he had a special announcement to make. So, while Kotoge pulled the look at this pose, at the screen a video package played that announces the venue for Marafuji's 20th anniversary. The crowd murmured, and then gasped, and then loud cheers broke out. Somehow and some way, Noah have managed to book out the, and I'm very sorry if I say this wrong because my spoken Japanese is not the best, book out the Ryogoku Kokugikan, which is a sumo hall primarily and it has a capacity for 11,098 people. Noah have had considerable difficulty in arranging this. The problem is, is that Ryogoku Kokugikan is undergoing repair work in July and August and then in September it will host the annual Grand Sumo. Um, Noah have somehow, some way, managed to book out the date for the for the anniversary and it has been such a miracle that it's been said by both Marafuji and President Uchida that Misawa had a hand in this through his will and strength. After the announcement Marafuji left the ring and shook hands with Kabashi. I wondered whether Kabashi remembered those boys that he'd thought seen growing up in the dojo and in the ring. Nakajima, Shiozaki, Marafuji, even the absent Kenta, all of them he'd known since they were in their teens. Match 5 was Go Shiozaki versus Kaito Kiyomiya. I think Noah's original plans were to have Go Shiyosaki and Atsushi Kotoge fall out, as they were certainly teasing this. But the event of Kiyomiya has stopped that, and Kotoge has pretty much now teamed with Naomi Chimarafuji. I think the split is for two reasons. Kiyomiya desperately needed someone to guide him along. Noah did try and push Kiyomiya in big singles matches during the last tour. It didn't work. The boy is 
just simply not ready. The fans realised this, and fortunately Noah realised this too. Gumir has actually come a long way from how he was when he arrived back. He's not bouncing around the ring aimlessly when he enters because he doesn't know, doesn't quite know what to do. And the nervousness has pretty much resolved. He's not taking deep breaths, shaking or swallowing deeply. If there is another thing that Kiyomiya has revealed is that he is amazing strength and is able to tiger suplex Jay Bradley, who is six foot four and two hundred and sixty pounds. Kiyomiya is five foot nine and weighs about a hundred pounds. And so that's pretty impressive. Today when he entered he was a completely different person. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, where he wanted to go, and he was more self assured. The video package beforehand where he was speaking at the press conference also showed how far he'd come and that he had more confidence in that area too, so Shiozaki has done his work well. They are now known as a tag team called Gokai. In Japanese, the word itself means something like misconception or misunderstanding, but I think it's probably a play on that as they have used their first names and of course an abbreviation of, of Kaito's. They will be competing as a tag team in Global Tag League 2018. Go Shiyosaki proposed a match as he said there are some things that can only be taught in singles matches and he wants to assess Kiyomiya's capabilities. Plus it's a good way for them to learn about each other if they're going to be a team. Kiyomiya was naturally hoping for a better result this time as he was destroyed the last time they met in the ring. Kino of course has naturally sneered at it and said what is this Kiyomiya? You're siding with Shiyosaki now? Despite the three-way match with Keno, Takashi Sugiura and Kiyomiya, there is no further involvement with Keno for now. At the start of the show, when the commentators uh, talked about the fight card, I got the impression that had it been a different time and era, Kabashi would probably have quite liked Kiyomiya as a pupil, but he seems happy enough that Go Shiozaki is mentoring him. And there were shades of Kobashi and Misawa evolved in this match as neither of them pulled any punches. And Kiyomiya showed his spirit by kicking out of the finishes like the Go Flasher and the Lariat. The crowd were on fire for this. And even and even when there was one moment when Shiozaki threw Kiyomiya into the iron barriers and he just missed the photographers who had to scatter out of the way, it served just to you know, ramp up the tension. Shiozaki took his elbow supports off to give Kiyomiya the machine gun chops as Kobashi looked on. Kiyomiya put up a good fight, although Shiozaki pretty much dominated the match and after 12 minutes and 47 seconds, he fell to the lariat. Afterwards, Shiozaki bent down to talk to him and ruffled his hair as if to say, well done kid, before leaving the ring. And naturally, he went to his teacher, Kobashi, who looked incredibly happy and probably would have embraced him had the announce table and iron barrier not been in the way. As for Kiyomiya, when he left the ring, he shook off the second who was attempting to help him and staggered back to the interview room. Kiyomiya, as we have seen, sometimes doesn't like to be helped. Um, We saw this when Sugiura attempted to help him, except this time no one was going to stomp on him. In the interview room, you could see just how badly he'd been chopped as a sunburn was coming up on his chest with a huge red cut in the middle. Speaking of Kiyomiya, this is probably the best time to mention that Hideki Suzuki, who is a freelance wrestler and is currently best known for being a big Japan, had a match in Noah teaming with Jay Bradley and taking on Naomichi Manofuti and Atsushi Katoge. He and Katoge had a bit of a Twitter war, which was copied on a minor scale by Katsuhiko Nakajima and Quiet Storm, and began with Katoge saying that he admired Suzuki's classic style of wrestling. 
Naturally, he was being sarcastic. Suzuki said he wasn't really interested in Marufuji, Kotoge, who represents Noah, title shots, eras, or wins out of Kino and Sugiura. The person he wants is Kiyomiya. Kiyomiya seemingly sent a message to Suzuki, although he never said anything verbally to him or responded on social media or in an interview by using European Clutch, which is the move that Suzuki uses on Cody Hall during their match earlier in the month. Nothing at the time of writing um, has been said or anything further done so far and nothing further has been said by Suzuki himself but it wouldn't surprise me if something did flare up and we see something at Great Voyage in Niigata if not before. The next match on the card was XX uh, which was Taiji Yoshimori and High 69 versus Yoshinari Ogawa and Minoru Tanaka for the GHC Junior Heavyweight titles. The tag team of the veterans Yoshinari Yagawa and Minoru Tanaka made the challenge to Taiji Shimori and High 69 on the 27th of January, right after they'd been beaten by Yohei and Hayata for the titles. Yoshinari Yagawa has been part of NOAA for 18 years. He's been there since the beginning, and he is one of the last three left from the Your Japan Dojo in in Noah, the other two being, of course, Naomi Chimanafuji and Takashi Sugiura. For years, he has worked the opening matches, and he has had a hand in bringing many of the Noah um, graduates from the dojo up to wherever they are now. He is highly respected backstage and in the ring, and this has been just a wonderful change for him. On the 16th of February, both Minoru Tunaka and Ogawa had single pre-matches of Ishimori and High 69. Both of them worked on submission moves, specifically targeting the arms of a double X. During the match, Ogaro ripped off the t-shirt of High 69 and made him um, submit with one of his many horrible submission moves that he knows. High 69 never wrestles bare-chested and he tends to be a little overweight. I believe this may have something to do with his awful injury um, a couple of years ago, although he has stated it has, has been one of his goals this year to, to get in shape. So this was rare to see. During Taiji Shimori's match with Minoru Tanaka, both High 69 and Yoshinari Ogawa came out to second their partners. High 69 was holding a, an ice pack on his arm. And then again, of course, there was a brawl after the match. One fan commented that again, it, it was unusual to see, to see Ogawa do this. On the 22nd of February, Noah booked them into a four-way match, but as a Twitter user called Abishin stated, this was never going to be anything other than a tag match. And he was right, because of course, naturally, Tanaka and Ogawa attacked their opponents. Taiji Shimori got the surprise win in the end by reversing the submission move Tanaka had on him. At Great Voyage in Yokohama 2018, Yoshinari Ogawa appeared very angry on the night and he worked very stiff with Ishimori in particular. It's not surprising in hindsight, given Ogawa's statements later, that the night before the match he'd gone out drinking and gathered women. The the aunts targeted and Ishimori tapped out after 13 minutes and the old vets won. The crowd went wild for the winners. Ogawa has not had a belt for, well, a long time and Minoru Tanaka has been chasing one. After the match, uh, XS gave a tearful promo, with Ishimori seemingly in tears. I haven't spoken much about this match, but I will discuss the real drama later on.
The next match was Daisuke Hirada versus Hayata for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title. Now, this all started on the 2nd of February when Daisuke Hirada had beaten Hashime Ohara and retained the GHC Junior Heavyweight title. Hayata came out to the ring and, as he doesn't speak much, he pointed to the belt. Hitoshi Kamano also appeared and challenged Harada. Harada said he had no choice. He couldn't say no to Hayata and he couldn't say no to Hitoshi Kimano because he owed because he owed them both. Of course Hayata being in Retels, he gave a title shot to Tadasuke, and he just beaten Hashime Yohara, who of course is the partner of um, Hitoshi Kimano. Hayata was the winner in for the number one contendership. So after the match, Harada got in the ring and offers his hand, as is the Retail's way. But of course, Hayata doesn't shake hands when he just pointed at the belt and walked off. The match signing was very funny. Harada naturally did most of the talking and said that this match, although it was for the title, was not about Retail's. This was between him and Hayata. To this, Hayata said, same. Hayata was then asked what exactly he thought about Harada. Hayata said he had no opinion. And then he said nothing when he was asked why he wanted the belt. Harada also said in the conference that he wanted to compete against Kino. Previously, Harada has hinted that he would be moving into the heavyweight division, and I think his increased muscle mass has has hinted at this. Noah naturally put them in the pre-championship matches. Hayata beat Harada in the four-man match on the 16th at Shinjuku face, and then stood over him silently with his hands on his hips. Harada vowed revenge. Things carried on this way, with Tadasuke siding with Daisuke Harada and Yohei naturally with Hayata. On the 22nd of February, Reitels had an elimination match. Yohei got eliminated, leaving Hayata to face Daisuke Harada and Tadasuke, and Harada looked like he smelled blood. There was some concern during the match, as um, following a moonsault, Hayata appeared to have hurt his knee. But there's been, but there's been nothing further said, and it looked, and in the footage, it just looks like he's twisted it. Naturally, he lost to Harada and Tadasuke. After a pre-championship match on the third of March, which saw Hayata team with Fifty Funky Powers against Daisuke Harada and the aggression, Harada, by now losing any sense of camaraderie with Hayata held the belt up to his face, so Hayata hit him with a headache and stood over him holding the belt. Daisuke Hirada got revenge for this the next day by hitting him with the German suplex after the match. Yohei rushed in to help Hayata, but of course he was knocked down by Harada. So, at Grand Voyage, um, coming out to the ring with his hood up and his kerchief over his face, I have no idea how to this day how Hayata actually saw what he was going and didn't fall down the ramp or bump into anything. When Daisuke Harada's turn came to enter, Hayata hit him with an amazing moonsault which caught everyone off guard, including naturally Harada. Hayata was attacking him while he still had the GHC Junior heavyweight belt on and the referee had to remove it. Hayata was kind enough to pause and let him remove his jacket too. Retails came out to second their companions. Yohei wandered around after Hayata, holding a bottle of water, and Tadasuke watched Harada from the opposite corner. As soon as he got the other hand, Harada put this look on his face, which he has pulled recently, which I liken to him looking like a shark, which has smelled blood. This was an 
amazing match and this is one of my matches of 2018 if not all time and it was one of the matches of the evening it had everything the tension the rivalry the last moment kick out spots it was technical it was psychological it had high spots it was everything you could want and of course Daisuke Harada generally doesn't have bad matches if there is a certain genre of wrestling you like, obviously bar hardcore and comedy, chances are you will find it somewhere in this match. There was a slight botch by Hayata, but he did cover it well. He went from moonsault and misjudged and landed on his feet too far from, away from Harada, but he turned it into a standing somersault and then did the spot right by doing a twisting corkscrew. Harada made a successful defence of the GHC Junior Heavyweight title in 17 minutes and 29 seconds with the suplex. After the match, both Tadasuke and Yohei ran to Hayata and Tadasuke later going to Harada. Harada waited for Hayata to get to his feet before offering his hand, which, which Hayata took. The crowd applauded as Reitels got back together and posed in the ring, Tadasuke next to Harada and Yohei next to Hayata. The next match of the evening was 50 Funky Powers, Mohamed Yone and Quiet Storm versus The Aggression, who are Katsuhiko Nakajima and Masaki Tamiya. And this was for the GHC heavyweight tag titles. This all started after 50 Funky Powers had defended the belts against Maybach Taniguchi and Mitsuo Nigai on the 2nd of February. The aggression came bursting into the interview area. Katsuhiko Nakajima sarcastically offered his congratulations and with Masaki Tamiya telling them that they had hardly complained about the result they had today and to accept our challenge, you assholes. As is Noah's way, again, there was more um, pre-championship matches with both Nakajima and Kitamiya um, meeting 50 Funky Powers either in single matches or in tag matches. Uh, Kitamiya um, lost while Nakajima managed to knock out both Mohamed Yone and Quiet Storm with one-shot stiff kicks to the head. Um, the, I think the most memorable time was when Quiet Storm yelled at him to come on and so Nakajima did and he kicked him. The aggression pulled uh, 50 Funky Powers pose, with Masaki Tamiya taking the place of Quiet Storm and Nakajima, whose 30th birthday it was, um, pulling Yune's Disco Fever pose. There were some fans sitting behind Kobashi who held up a banner reading Happy Birthday Katsuhiko. The girl in the group wore a Genius of the Kick t-shirt and the two guys were wearing party glasses. When the birthday boy came out, he did a lap of the outside of the ring, while Masaki Tamir had already gotten into it. And as soon as everyone in the ring, the aggression attacked 50 Funky Powers after they'd done their pre-match ritual and pulled their pose with, as I've said, with Katsuhiko Nakajima doing the Disco Fever's dance. Mohamed Yone had said beforehand that he was going to be very aware of Nakajima and his kicks and he wasn't going to fall prey to them again. He didn't, although he did take some pretty nasty ones um, to the face. Um, Yone suffered Kenta kicking him for years and so therefore, you know, he's he's pretty much used to being kicked and Nakajima, of course, is no exception to when it comes to that rule. The aggression won after 20 minutes and 16 seconds with the Saito suplex and became the 42nd DHC heavyweight tag champions. According to one of Noah's photographers, and I think it's the same person who is doing um, the book on Noah, which I will talk about later, 
a child was cheering for Yone and he cried when he's lost. And the parents and the people around him comforted him by saying that Yone is strong and he will win next time. The main event was Kino versus Takashi Sugiyora for the GHC heavyweight title. Until the 2nd of February, uh, Takashi Sugiyora had pretty much ignored Kano's claim that the era of himself, Marafuji and Shiozaki was over. However, on the 2nd of February, as Kano started screaming into the microphone, Kuroko and Ho went wild as Sugiyora stepped into the ring and told Kano that he was challenging him for the belt and that he hadn't even begun to build his era. Kino, knowing that Tsukiyora was the person he knew him best and therefore had a legitimate chance against him, unlike the previous two challengers, took a step back. When Tsukiyora was leaving the ring, Kino shrieked at him and told him there was no way he was going to fill out the Budokan. You bastard. Tsukiyora just smiled, waved dismissively and walked off. Unlike Kino, Tsukiyora has been with Noah to the Budokan. On the 16th of February, in Shinjuku Face, after the team of Namichi Marafuji and Atsushi Katoge had beaten the team of Kino and Takashi Sugiyora, Sugiyora got on the mic and told Kino, who was mouthing off to him about losing, If you have a problem, let's do this! And they had a 10-minute title match, which ended with a double KO. But not after Kino had kicked Sugiyora around the head so hard that the whole arena... All four corners heard it, and Sugiyora also dodged Kino's diving foot stamp. Kino, of course, threatened to destroy everything in Yokohama, Sugiyora's history, his record, his strength, everything. Bastard. In the last match they had before the championship, uh, Sugiyora defeated Kino by using a move he rarely uses, and I'm not really sure if he's ever actually used before. It's the Frankensteiner. And this caught Kino completely off guard and Sugiyora um, got the pin. Kino retaliated by having two screaming tantrums. The first was when he crawled on his knees to the ref, protested about the count and then screamed and banged his fist into the mat. Sugiyora looked like a father who is used to this behaviour and got on the microphone and asked the champion how he liked it. And Kino of course had another tantrum. In Grand Forge in Yokohama, in the post-match promo, Kino naturally called Sugiura both a bastard multiple times and an old man. Sugiura unintentionally showed what he thought about this as the camera caught him yawning in the ring. Sugiura knew that he was the dominant one in this match and he also knew how to wind Kino up. Like when there was a rope break and Kino slapped him and he laughed. Um, Sugi got to dish out this punishment when Kino went for the cocky pin. Kino was right to fear Sugiura. Sugiura knew him better than anyone, and he anticipated most of his moves. Sugiura stood up to Kino, and especially his kicks, and you could see the bruises coming up on his neck and chest in the post-match promo afterwards, like neither of his previous challengers had. He also gave the impression that he himself was not tiring, and was simply wearing Kino down. Sugiura, Kino knew, dominated this match, and try as he might, he knew that he was outmanoeuvred. 
If you watch the match, you will see there is a man in a grey suit um, sitting in the second row. This is President Kitai, and he runs a private gym and an MMA facility in Tokyo. Both Sugiura and Kino um, train at the private gym, and he is the one responsible for getting Sugiura back in the ring after his heart condition, and for the physical training of Kino into a heavyweight, and who he's he's quite close to. Uh, despite all this, you know, this friendship, he is a fearsome trainer, and he has reduced wrestlers, including Sugiura, to tears. The crowd were absolutely on fire and screaming during this match, especially when the two traded punches and the referee had to check that Kino wasn't legitimately knocked out as his eyes were closing. I know that I often say matches are stiff as hell, but with this, well, you can put that statement in bold letters ten foot high and set fire to them, and you'll know what I mean. This was a war. Sugiura caught Kino in the Olympic slam and then got him in the front neck lock. Kino didn't tap, he passed out and the referee stopped the match after 27 minutes and 36 seconds. No doubt this will be something that Kino will bring up in the future, that Sugiura has never actually pinned him. Especially not for the title, obviously no he did in Shinjuku face. The ringside doctor examined Kino and Yanta Miyawaki helped him out. Then Atsushi Kotogi appeared, and the crowd booed loudly, and somebody screamed abuse. I think the crowd was stunned that Kino had lost, and because Kotogi is not considered to be GHC heavyweight material, he's, you know, he's he's been the GHC heavyweight tag champion, but it's different with GHC heavyweight heavyweight title. As Atsushi Katoge made his challenge, Sugiura stood with his back to him, looking at him over his shoulder. That was until Katoge tapped him on it and hit him with a loud headbutt, which Landy resonated and drew blood. And so ends Kino's title reign after three months. It hasn't been a long one, um, but I personally think it was long enough. Takashi Sugiura is now the 31st champion in his fourth title range, which is the longest out of anyone in Noah. And he's had the longest defence history. You know, his title reign comes in second to Kenta Kobashi in 2003. It would have ended for Kino had he beaten him. After all, after Sugiura, who else would there have been? People forget that Noah is a small promotion and it doesn't have a limitless heavyweight division. At the moment, Marafuji is too busy, Kiyomiya is too young... And as we have seen, not at all ready, and Shiyazaki is not interested right now, as he had other things on his mind. As it happens, Kino will now have to go through Sugiura if he wants the title back, and thus prove that he can end the era of the seniors and not just brag about it. This is not the end of Kino, this is just the beginning. OK, and now for the news. I think the biggest bit of news to come out of Noah is that Taiji Ishimori has resigned. As in, the day after losing the belt, resigned. He has been with Noah now for 12 years, 10 as a contracted wrestler and 2 as a freelancer. He says that he wishes to go back to freelancing and work both at home in Japan and abroad and he will regret it if he does not do it now. He is of course in his mid-30s and the clock is ticking as for how long he can continue to do Luca 4. He says that his eventual goal is WWE. 
So no matter what he does in the future and where he goes, good luck to him. And I do hope that he will return to Noah one day. The day of the announcement, Yoshinari Agawa said that he was sorry to do this to Minoru Tanaka, but he was going to return the belt. He said there was no point in having a victory over someone who had resigned. It was hollow. While I'm unsure of what exactly I-69 is going to do now, the junior division has mobilised itself. Hitoshi Kamano has come out and said, yeah, this has happened before, but Agawa has no right to give the belt up, and the backbreakers will be challenging him for it. Daisuke Hirada has said that Raytels will also be challenging for it. Many people want to see um, Ogawa and Tanaka keep the belts and defend them rather than just give them away. Sadly, this has not happened and President Uchida has had no choice but to take the belts from them, which now makes him look bad. Noah have announced that there will be a tournament to decide the two number one contenders and this will take place during the Sapporo weekend in April. Yuntamiyawaki has also said that he would like to enter, but he doesn't have a partner. Hi69 has said the same. Pairing them together would be a good idea, um, as I think it would give Miyawaki some experience and it would give Hi69 some responsibility, as I think he's become somewhat dependent on, on Ishimori. It, it doesn't look like Yoshinari Yogawa um, will actually be very much a part of. I mean, I don't know whether or not they haven't announced the teams yet that he will take part in it. It seems that there is a feud beginning with Daisuke Harada over the GHC Junior heavyweight belt. So we'll we will see what happens in, in Sapporo when they, they hold the tournament and when they announce the teams. The event formerly known as Takiyamania 1 is now known as the Emperor. Uh, this is the fundraiser for Yoshihiro Takayama, and this will be held in August. Expect this to be a multi-promotional event, just like the All Together shows were, and these, of course, were done to raise funds for the earthquake. Um, I, this event, I would expect um, Emperor to recur every year. Shinsei Shintaki will be appearing at Kino's anniversary on the 21st. He is not going to wrestle, rather, he will just watch his student. Noah are doing mail order again. They started with Yohei and Hayata t-shirts. Yohei said you could be beautiful like the bride, which of course is Hayata, or you could be cool like him. Other products have since been added. Noah has not yet reopened the online shop, um, and unfortunately Noah does not and never has done international shipping. So the only way you are going to get what you want, and the only way I'm going to get the Raytel's jacket, is to find someone in Japan who will send your items on to you. In another piece of Noah news, um, they will also be releasing their first printed work in a long while. A photography exhibition held by one of Noah's photographers will take place in late August in Tokyo and a book we released afterwards in September. I think the last photographic book Noah released was probably the Misawa Memorial Album in about 2009-2010. So I'm going to get, do my best to get a hold of it, um, hold of a copy when it comes out. Uh, Naomichi Marufuji has confirmed that he will be taking part in both Global League Tag League 2018 and uh, Champions Carnival in All Japan. The two leagues run concurrently at the same time. So, um, you know, it will be a grueling schedule and he got a bit defensive when somebody brought it up in a, a press conference and they pointed this out. He said, no, it's fine. 
but to be honest, I think he probably realises it's too, that it's not a good idea. Noriyuki Yoshida will be returning to NOAA, at least for a couple of shows. Yoshida was a NOAA trainee in 2004, and he debuted in 2006. Normally, trainees don't have such a lengthy period in between training and debut, but he became injured and he went back to his family to recover. He has been working as a freelancer since 2009 and will join NOAA on the 14th and the 15th of April for navigation to the Northern Cross 2018. Uh, the tour will come after Global League 2018 wraps up and it gets its name as NOAA will be off to the cold springtime north of Japan. And they haven't actually been up to Sapporo um, for, for quite a few years. So it's only going to be a short tour. And as I said, it'll be over the, the weekend in April. And as I've also said, no, that's when I will be holding the tournament for the vacant GHC um, Junior Heavyweight Tag title. Um, as I've also said, teams are, are not yet announced. Masa Winue has bought out a CD of nostalgic songs and has announced they will be available at NOAA venues. And NOAA, of course, have naturally started being sarcastic about it. Marifuji said something about people expecting high-quality goods and the senior referee, Nishinaga, said to listen to it, he recommends earplugs. So that's really it for now. Um, I will be back with a separate podcast about the past history of Noah. I am planning to do their first show at some point, but I will need to gather more material, although there is a short article up about it. If you do follow the link in my my bio, you'll be able to, to find it. And at a later date, I, of course, will wrap up Global League 2018. So I will see you later. And thanks for listening. Bye. This presentation has been brought to you by Noah Archive, the pro wrestling Noah podcast. Oh, no.